I know a lot of our customers are aware of this already, but uh, we'll rehash it. And uh, we want to just let everyone know. Some people ask, like, why do you make Abyss headphones in the USA? And I don't know. I mean, it seems obvious to us because we're here. That's where we live, mm. right? Uh, we grew up here. <laughs> we were born here. <laughs> we're citizens. <laughs> but better yet, uh, you know, uh, there's a number of reasons. I mean, there's many we can cover on this. I would say primarily it's really about control. And that encompasses pretty much all aspects. Uh, if you have a third party manufacturing it, especially if they're not in the same country or they don't speak the same language, it can be difficult to communicate precisely what you're trying to get done. And you don't have that direct control. You can't really feasibly go there and bark orders at them. Um, so if there's an issue with something, it can't be corrected as easily. Well, you probably could if you're General Electric or something like that. But if you're a very large company, <laughs> you, have people you on the ground have there. people on the ground. Yeah. yeah, but for someone like us, it's just not practical. Yeah. Uh, we're not big enough to be able to keep a manufacturing company overseas in business exclusively. So we're just a customer to them. And as a result, it tends to mean you're not the priority. Yeah, right. And that's the same story with manufacturers in the U.S. too. It doesn't matter really what country you're in. If you're comparatively a small percentage of what they do, you're not that important You're to at them. the bottom of the totem pole, so yeah. to speak. But if you make it yourself, you're your number one customer. Mm. So it solves those problems right there. You have absolute control. You could do anything you want. You can make anything you want. You could do any correction you want. And since you have the manufacturing in-house... It tends to mean you could make changes faster. Uh, oftentimes, you could even reduce costs, which is helpful all around. Usually, you make better quality parts. Uh, if you have a minor issue, you understand why. You could work it out. You know, you have better communication between the manufacturing side and the assembly side. Huge number of advantages actually manufacturing yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, we kind of took this upon ourselves to do it everything as, as much as we can in-house, primarily to control our destiny. And a lot of that encompassed what you just said. But the reality of the situation is, you know, we learn from the process as well. We learn by making mistakes and in correcting them. That's how we advance the product, the product, the quality of the product, the sonic character of the product. The, everything about what high-end audio is, is built into, baked into the us here. Well, the other thing is usually when you have someone else manufacture something for you, you get them in batches, right? So you get like a thousand of one part. And if anything's out of tolerance, you have a problem, then yeah. they're all well, shot. You got two months to make more. And yeah, you got nothing, nothing to ship. And not only that, they'll probably say, oh, it was your fault. They'll be pointing yeah. fingers. Oh, it was your fault because you didn't give us the proper spec, and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, not only are you out the parts and the time, you're out the money too. <laughs> yeah. This is yep. a big issue. You know? And I don't think the consumer would be aware. But unfortunately, the way things tend to work in industry is it's always someone else's fault. It's very hard to get accountability for the fact that I pointed out earlier, you're not a priority to them. So you could say, oh, I wouldn't pay for that, or I would send it back. And yeah, you could try that. But generally speaking, they're not going to want to do business with you again, or they're not going to do what you expect. So usually you just kind of got to deal with the issue. You got to figure out a way around it. And that is not an ideal solution. Yeah, and a, a lot of it is due to miscommunication, too, when you're dealing with outside yeah. vendors, you know. And uh, so, you know, and it... And that is an issue because even though you're speaking the same language, so to speak, or might, maybe not if you're dealing with other countries, uh, all it takes is one word to be misunderstood and the whole part shot. 
And I mean, that's why they have specs and that's why we design with uh, SolidWorks and blah, blah, blah. But we've dealt with vendors in the past that can't read our SolidWorks file because they're not willing to pay for the subscription service for it, right? Well, it really depends on what you're trying to get done. Because of course, you could always come up with tolerances that if they achieve this, the part's perfect every time. Well, that's true. You could always come up with a spec that's perfect. But then you give them this complex spec. And they don't make it the same. They don't understand what it means. They don't have the way for to measure the part with the tolerance that you claim. And so maybe they think they're providing a good quality part, but if you demonstrate to them that they are in fact not doing that, well, it's still the same issue. They're still yeah. not going to be able to correct it. They're well, the reason, to and the reason correct. is too, which we should bring up is because like with what you do, you know, you're, you're designing the part in, in SolidWorks or whatever program, right? That part has to be converted to machine language to be cut on a machine like a CNC. And that conversion process, right, is where the finesse comes in. You know, you, right? I mean, you got to tweak the machine code in order to get the part to look the, the part, you, to, in order to be what you actually wanted it to be. If, if you gave that one, a file to somebody, or so let's say 10 different companies, yeah. and you said machine this part, would, would, and even with given tolerances on the spec, would they all look the same? No, they would all be different parts. Right. And therein lies the problem. You know, you can't, you, you, you can't, you, the only way to keep that consistent is to make it, keep it in house. Or, or the other way to do it, you need someone who really cares about your parts, which brings us back to dough because you said, who's going to care if you're a small company? Yeah. Yeah. If you're keeping them in business, if you're the reason why their lights are on, they're going to care. But unfortunately, in this type of industry, you need incredible scale for that. Uh, almost no companies in this industry really have that power. They're, aside from very large companies like maybe Apple, uh, for the most part, it's just not a priority to deal with a small vendor. So maybe they'll try. Maybe they'll try to care about your parts, but it only goes so far. They're not willing to put the time in because it's just too expensive. Well, we have a we have an aerospace company nearby. A few of them actually here in, in New York. But um, one of them I can think of is Moog. And Moog does basically all aerospace. And they've got a quite large facility just full of CNC machines of all sorts because they make their own parts for aerospace. And it's pretty obvious when you look at when we had other people try try to make some of our parts, right, years and years ago, um, the quality difference that occurs from that versus doing it yourself, or do, not doing it yourself, but doing it in your own facility with your own machines, with your own eyes, seeing the outcome, it's night and day. Like you can't even compare, uh, you know, having somebody make a part for you because usually there's no care involved because that's all they do is make parts for people all day long. It's just they, they, they open a file, they cut the parts, it's onto the next file, next part. Yep. There's no, it's like this, they just spit them out. It's just the way it works in machine process, in the machining world. Where when you look at the aerospace, I think a lot of these companies probably have everything in-house because they have to. They have to certify the part. They have to know the source even of the raw materials. They have to do that because it's all about traceability and so on in the aerospace and aircraft industry. So, you know, they're, and, and again, they also know that if they farm that out to somebody else, they'd have a million problems where people's lives depend on this stuff. It's not a headphone, right? But technically speaking, we machine to that level. I oh, mean, yeah. The quality absolutely. level is crazy on our stuff. The, the tolerances are nuts. You almost have to if you want to be consider to be a leader. If you're a manufacturer and you're simply providing a specification to someone, you tell them make this part and they provide you with the part. If you don't understand what goes into making that part, you don't know the cost drivers. And machining we talked about a lot, but that's that's a good example because I think it's a bit more visual than some of the other processes. Uh, 
But if you understand intrinsically exactly how that part's made, and you understand all the way through to manufacturing and assembling of the finished goods, it allows you to more or less maximize the value in the product. You could eliminate things that really aren't required, that don't provide value for the customer, don't really matter for the end product, and you could put a little bit more time, effort, and money to the stuff that does matter. And so I think really it's not necessarily that we're making things in the U.S. because it's superior to other countries. It's simply because we're in the U.S. and making it local is very beneficial. Having people that understand how everything's made and being able to talk with the person that made the part to understand why it is the way it is. You mean the guy in the back room? Mm. Yeah, that's critical, <laughs> right? You, know, you just walk to the back and say, hey, we're having a problem with this. Yeah. Why is it? What can we do? Well, that's the beauty of having our own in-house machine shop. You know, we're running four CNCs now, full out. Um, you know, we've got lasers for cutting metals and materials. Um, so really, I mean, we have control. We have control over the entire product at this point. There's no, there's nothing that we can't vary or change if need be. And I mean, right now the three, the three models we do have are highly refined. You know, we've, you've made. M- dozens of revisions over time to them. And again, we we're able to do that and more refine a product because it's in-house. Where most companies, they design it, it's machined, and, and it, the part just continues to be made until it's not made anymore. You know, we're, So that, that's another thing you kind of get with us is it's, as, as time goes on, there's a continuous refinement of all kinds of little things that you just people just don't really, might not notice on a photo. Yeah. You know? Well, that is true, because like, it's not even a spec thing. Even if someone meets your spec exactly, it's like they don't know what the parts are being used for. Right. So they, they don't really care. Yeah, they're, they're, they don't have to kind of like make suggestions and, oh, here, you could do this a little differently or something yeah. like that. Right. But we, we're doing that all the time. So. Yeah, it's, it's like a continuous feedback loop. Yeah. You know, what, what we go, it goes, the parts go to our assembly area. They're assembled. If there's something that isn't going together right or something's wrong, it goes right back to production. Right. And give them feedback saying, hey, what's going on? The tolerance is out, something like that. Everything's done on the fly. Everything's any issues that may arise for whatever reason, for various reasons. Well, what it has turned into, though, is that uh, after doing that a bunch of times, now we're like, we got like all these micrometers out and we're measuring <laughs> every single angle. Because we're like, oh, I guess we got to measure this now yeah. to make sure they're all the same. By the time the part gets to assembly, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be extremely rare to have a part that makes it to assembly that has any kind of issue because it's all been looked over 10 times, you know, right through the finishing process. I mean, you think a, there's a number of processes and eyes that go through it. We had uh, Ethan here uh, the other day from the cable company. And uh, Brian back there was uh, finishing the slider mechanism on the Diana headphone, mm. remember? And I went over there. I don't think you, I was the only one there, but I t- took Ethan and his wife there, and Brian just happened to be uh, masking the slider mechanism, you know. The, for and, and I said, well, Brian, I, I'm not even sure of all the steps you go through just for that one part on Diana. Mm. Why don't you just explain it to him? And Brian very succinctly went through about a two-minute explanation of the step processes involved to make the one little slider portion that goes up and down to Diana, because it's a you know it's probably like a dozen steps or something just in finishing alone. That's just after finishing, the parts yeah. machined, you know. And I mean because the slider parts components different than the upper part, different color, different paint. Uh, there's anodizing involved. There's coatings involved. There's there's removal of coatings involved. There's recoating. There's removal of material for the abyss logo. It's just like I said, you know, it's crazy. But you just think there's one little part, right, that we do, and to it get looks to like get nothing. to that level, yeah. yeah. 
And it's like, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable amount of steps on that one part. Well, speaking of that exact same part, just last week, I added another one for Keith to me- another angle to measure on that. Uh, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, we should probably start measuring these. Yeah. So that was a, a late one, but yeah. Yeah, it, so that's, I guess, a fair point, because if you're a supplier manufacturing that part and you're giving it to someone else, you don't know how it's used. So you have two options measure almost nothing or measure absolutely everything and sometimes things really don't matter if it's off by 0.001 inch sometimes it makes absolutely no difference you can't see it doesn't affect the function other times it's critical so measuring the right things in the right way um it's reasonable and that gives you some financial advantage that gives you as a result a, a better part that costs less to manufacture than if you had an outside vendor doing it a lot less waste Yes. Because if you did have an outside vendor making these parts, you'd be throwing a lot of them into the scrap bin. That actually, you know? that's a fair point, too. Because if you had an outside vendor doing it, again, they don't know how it's being used. So it's hard for them to know the problems you're having with the product, how it assembles, and as a result, the issues you, you face in the assembly. But if you're assembling it, if you could just walk back and talk to the person that's making it, it's a different story. Because um, if you're having an issue with something, you could figure out what's causing it. And as a result, you probably could take steps to mitigate it if it's economical to do so. And usually it is. Usually it's very easy to do that. You could change something like the fixturing, how it's held in the machine or how it's machined. You could change a tool path or something like that where it doesn't cost any time, doesn't really cost any money. And the part is more often closer where you need to be and there's less waste. There's less wasted labor resources and man hours and whatnot yeah i think that was the biggest issue i remember remember how much scrap we had in the past just from us learning our own mistakes and what we needed to measure and what we need didn't need to measure and it just you know luckily we're we have less and less of that nowadays um, because we are measuring and checking and qcing so many steps in the path well uh the biggest bane of every everybody's existence though as we've come to find out everybody has the same problem is always anodize right yeah, well, matching colors. All finishes. Because that's the thing. Uh, it's out of your hands. You're not doing it, right? And the parts are perfect, right? Well, that's and you send them out, and you hope to just get them back, yeah. nice black or whatever color. Yeah. And uh, and that's Never the last happens. step. And then yeah, it works half the time. Yeah, you make mm-hmm. the part, and in the end, the guy finishing it screws it up. Yep. We've <laughs> had that happen far too many times. So you spent all the money to make the parts, and then you mess that's, up a batch of, th- of 500 pieces and or 1,000 there's no good pieces. way to fix it. Yeah. That's literally why we finish the parts ourselves yeah. in-house now, yeah. because of anodized issues. And we went to three vendors, always the same issues. They all screwed you up. You get a few it, batches good, you get way. one bad, yeah. and that one bad batch, it's it's bad. It really stings. You sit there and you're cringing every time you send the, the parts out for finishing because it's like you just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> get. A that, lot of times our back. parts can't be re-anodized. No, they can right. be done once. You can't actually You can't strip it. that finish without ruining the part. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do. The parts are trash. Yeah. And they don't care. They'll look at it as a part. They, they think don't. it's, ah, oh, so what? We'll just redo it for you. Uh, no, you can't redo it. <laughs> it's a total loss. Mm. We're going to have to redo it from scratch again. So, I mean, there's no sympathy. That's the problem, right? No. No sympathy at all. They're like, eh, whatever. It's like, yeah, whatever. No big deal. Just yeah. You just ruined three weeks $10,000 worth of a component. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No, pro- no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just start again. So, yeah. That, I mean, there's, we could go on and on, but I think people get it, right? It's like, it, it's obvious why we, why we do things here, where we live, where we are. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think we'd have it any other way because it's, I mean, you look at, you just look at the way things are built here, the way we build things. It's crazy. I mean, you know. 
And you talk about finishes, like the, the easy finish would be to make something out of plastic, which is very common in the, in the consumer electronics space. You know, you, you, you mold plastic, it's, a, it's that color through, yep. you know, it's just, it's simple. There's no finishing involved. It's, it's a one-step process. Bang, the part pops out, and you just slap it together. Yeah. And that's why you see that a lot in, in consumer electronics is you use the plastic because it's, it's simple. It's simple. Well, once you have it all figured out and the mold's made, yeah. But at our end of things, simpler isn't necessarily better in terms of uh, the components and how the thing's built. That's not what well, we're after. We're really. doing something that I think is very atypical. We're trying to design and manufacture a product that when people get, they're really happy with. They think this is just spectacular. This is really a special product for them. And a lot of our customers feel that way, and that's, that's wonderful. We are shipping stuff that people really cherish. Uh, and to me, that's valuable. Yeah, the feedback is priceless. I mean, people love it. You know, we're seeing that more and more people that are uh, new, even more newer to um, this. Not even I, I don't even want to say hobby, but just in general, having a personal listening device that you could put on your head and feel like you're you're almost there, like it transports you back in time to the recording. You know, and it, we're seeing that more and more people are like they didn't realize that this existed. And we're getting a lot of new customers in the space that are like just going, wow. I just sort of comment the, uh, today or yesterday on one of our, one of our YouTube videos, and the mm-hmm. guy was saying, this is the first time I've ever had tears in my eyes. I've never had that happen in my life before. He just got one of a Diana Fi or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, mm-hmm. I've never had that happen before. And uh, it's wild when you see that. You know what I mean? That's like that's, that's life-changing. That's life-altering because he's appreciating it this music in a whole different way and that's awesome i mean that's really awesome yep and you could do it anytime anywhere now yes just pop it on your head yep crazy when you think about where we've where we've we've taken this 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 niche industry you know so anyway on that note i think we've kind of covered enough of that with made in usa we'll continue to make all our products our parts as much as we can possible in usa and uh thank you very much for watching gives us a thumbs up Uh, Take care of yourselves, everyone.